This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I've started the recording with Don't Tell Albert. Try, try and get something incriminating said. Hi. Hi, Hi how are you I got a, a, a beer. One would have sufficed if we'd have started on time, but we've, uh, we've crept over, so I need another one. You need is another there, one? Yeah. Is there any times in your life that you've been into um, more than one uh, in one night? What? Cracking one off? Like, no, like, not like, no, not, not, I'm not talking about hitting the hall. I'm talking about, like, you know, you've got a bird. And then you've gone out on the, you've gone out with your mates late that night, and then you pulled someone else. No, never. no, never, never done that. No, long-term lover. All right. <laughs> What's the most number of <laughs> you've had in one night then? Two. Really? <laughs> no, they never. No, never, never, never done it. <laughs> <laughs> For someone whose catchphrase is me off <laughs> yes i get other people to do it oh homesdale radio preview podcast sponsored by fanduel.co.uk the next generation of fantasy football welcome ladies and gentlemen to the homesdale radio preview podcast i'm your host terence ford of red and blue and i'm here along with albert curley and nick philpot to build you up to our upcoming match against southampton We'll likely need more than just the appearance of Saints at Sellers Park to save our season the way things are going. Joining us at various points in the show will be Southampton fan and editor of Shoot Annual Jack Rosser and former Crystal Palace Leicester Ipswich and Coventry, Coventry striker James Scowcroft, who will discuss our classic match versus Southampton. Before we get into all of that, remember to subscribe to both of our podcasts by visiting holradio.net forward slash subscribe. I considered jumping off the Seven Bridge on my way back from Swansea on the weekend, but a Pizza Hut, a cider, and my mate not shutting up about how he won £3,600 on the game kept me sane and means that I'm in back to lead to lead you like lambs of slaughter into our weekend's fixture against Southampton. I have two excellent Homesdale Radio panellists this week. Firstly, Nick, Nick Philpot. Welcome, mate. Yo, Terence. How are you, mate? I'm good. How are you? All right. Not too bad. You're off to India this week, right? I'm going to India on Sunday. Business oh, class, that? business class. I hasten to add, long single bed, uh, all the all mod cons in there. Going business class. It doesn't stop you from getting deli belly, mate. I oh, know, I oh, know. <laughs> um, I'm also joined by Albert Curley. Welcome. Hello, mate. Have you have you calmed down yet? You've been very angry in our group chat this week since the Swansea defeat. Uh, well, let's put it this way: even winning three and a half grand probably would only have taken the littlest of edges off it. So. <laughs> Yeah, tell us, tell quite... us about the three thousand six hundred sale. <clears throat> well, he was um, he does all this sort of in play betting stuff on the uh, Betfair exchange, and um, he just when Palace took the lead, he bet on Swansea to win. When Swansea took the lead, he bet on Palace to win, and back and forth. And it was just slowly so he got to the position where no matter what the result was, at some point he was going to win a lot of money. But he ended up cashing out at the end for £3,600, the bastard. Fair play, fair play, fair play, though. He put on four grand. No, no, so that's 3600 profit. 
So I, th- I think he did all of that with about 70 quid, which is pretty good going. And he bought me Pizza Hut, so that's all right. Um, is that he's all hot then. Yeah, I can say he's all hot, aren't he? <laughs> <laughs> not even, not even yeah. a salad buffet as well. <laughs> not, we, was, we were walking, uh, eating it walking down the street, so the lonely journey down the hill back from the Liberty Stadium down to Swansea Station for what was the worst three and a half hour train journey of my life it was just it was horrible it picked up loads of rugby fans at Cardiff it was just horrendous so hopefully that won't happen you could have just walked into Pizza Hut thrown down like 50 quid picked up the whole bowl of bacon bits and just walked out whatever (laughs) make it rain make it rain bacon bits you know that (laughs) Right, look, both of you guys have been on the show before, so we won't do the regular introduction to you guys. Uh, what we will do is, on the back of the 5-4 defeat of Swansea, Albert, what's, what's the worst Palace match you've ever attended? Uh, yeah, you asked me this today, and I had to really think about it, because there's some obvious ones. You know, there's the FA Cup final and, and other games that have gone so well. But the, the one for me that really, really wound me up at the time was the uh, second leg playoff uh, semi-final against Bristol. Uh, when oh, we... Bristol, mate, Bristol City. Bristol you have City. to, you have to differentiate between the two. Well, my best mate's a Bristol Rovers fan, and if you say Bristol, he loses his, <laughs> and he listens to this, so doesn't lose his gas. <laughs> Wee, you've redeemed yourself a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, it was a midweek. We were, we were lucky to be in it. You know, well, be within, be within it after the first leg. I thought we were lucky to get into it during the game, and then. To go to extra time and have two of my all-time most hated players, being Lee Trundle and Michael the Fraud McIndoe, <laughs> and seal it with two long, long ranges. Particularly the Lee Trundle celebration, I can still, I can still picture that. And it was me and my brother and me right in the front row. In fact, we were we were right next to the post that Ben Watson thumped. Um, so that was that was pretty miserable. That stood out. Can you still remember the sound of the post being hit when you close your eyes? Yeah, a little bit. Like my spine shudders. Like the post <laughs> did that night. I think Neil Warnock said after, whenever he sees Ben Watson scoring a penalty now, he always just like, ugh. Um, <laughs> I saw Lee Trundle at Swansea on the weekend. He was outside the ground taking pictures. So um, I wish I got one now and I could have what, sent it to you. He was taking pictures. Is that how is that, <laughs> Sorry, Norman. That's all he does now. <laughs> no, he's, he's an ambassador. Picture. No, he's an ambassador for the club, uh, so he was doing some stuff in that. But um, he's playing for Lefnelli Town at the moment, I think they're called, um, which are kind of like a low-league Welsh outfit, and he scored 20 goals in his first eight games for them. <laughs> so clearly found his level. Um, and what about you, Nick? What's, what's the worst Palace match you've attended? That wasn't the question, by the way. You, your question this afternoon wasn't what was the worst palace match what was your lowest moment is what you said okay yeah I was, yeah yeah i mean I, you can encapt- you can take the question how you want but that was just me saying well i'll give you the day in the direction i wanted I'll, you. well i'll give you the day okay 12th of september 1989 any ideas well it's a 9-0 against liverpool obviously uh, obviously but i wasn't there okay i was actually on holiday with my family my children loads of friends it ruined my f- holiday. Oh, there we go. Oh, Swearing already. I'm and sorry. Gonna... <laughs> and our producer is going to have to edit this show after. So I'm having to take notes every time you die. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. You guys are just going to carry on doing it to me now, aren't you? <laughs> I wouldn't fucking we... do that to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As if we <laughs> do that. <sighs> go on, carry on. And it ruined our holiday, as you can imagine. And it was my lowest, my lowest ever point. I mean, been, we've been through some years times, let's be honest, as Palace fans. But that has to be the lowest step that I was ever at. Do you know, I never, ever thought about changing allegiances because you just wouldn't do it if you're a proper football fan. But I wondered if that would have been my last ever game or my last ever season at Sellhurst. Unfortunately, after last weekend, I'm, it, it wasn't. I've, I've continued supporting them. And I wish I had. <laughs> no, you don't mean that. You know, you love Palace. Um, I'm going to... I had a little... I had a, quite a long, hard think, and there's been various ones here and there, but one that always stands out, and I think a lot of it is to do with um, me being at... Um, being sat in the home end. We were away at Millwall on um, New Year's Day, and a certain Jason Punchin scored a hat-trick. And um, I... 
it just felt like every the world was coming crashing down around Crystal Palace. It was horrible. You know, we were struggling under Burley. We we looked like we were going down. I know it should have been all good spirits at that time because the club had just been saved and so on. But it just felt like, oh, it's just all been a bit of a false dawn and it's all going to go wrong. And I remember feeling really, really low that day. And um, especially getting home, writing my match report for the game. And then just as I was about to post it online, uh, Burley got sacked. So I had to delete it and start all over again. I remember so. that game. I actually watched that game on uh, YouTube the other night, actually. It's, uh, oh, it's, you're right. What's, what's, what's wrong with you? Send shivers down your spine, isn't it? So, <laughs> one of our own doing that. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> it was either that or go back to one of my normal channels that I go to. <laughs> well good thanks for sharing that guys um <laughs> we'll get into a little bit more up to date now so uh we talked about it on the pod last week but um zaha has now officially chosen to join the ivory coast um, but it has been reported today that he might not go to the african cup of nations in this january to stay behind and help us uh let me get your two guys opinions on this uh nick um oh, sorry yeah nick that is your name yeah I'm, I'm old i'm like you i'm gone Cena there. <laughs> Absolutely the best of us, mate. Uh, my thoughts, my thoughts on Wilf. Um, when I first saw it announced earlier in the week, I actually had a, th- I had a thought process on it. Is this some sort of a ruse? Is this some sort of a hurry up to Southgate um, and the FA? Are they doing this to get? Because yeah, you know, in the press this evening, I, was, I saw something on Twitter earlier. You know, what the hell have you done, English FA? What the hell have you done, Southgate? Um, if he does go, if he does go to the African Cup of Nations, if he does play for them, good luck to him because let's face it, he's been our best outstanding player all season. He deserves international recognition for sure. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best, but I think it's complete and utter screw up by the, the English FA. Yeah. What about you, um, Albert? Um, I think if, if I was any sort of any more positive about England or took a wider interest in the England squad, I'd probably be a bit gutted and think, you know, we as a nation have lost out. But when you're sort of a bit over the England situation, it's easier to sort of stay a bit calmer about it. I think, I think it's good for him. I think, you know, he, he's good enough to play international football. He's, you know, he, he deserves to play on a bigger stage. Um, and if that's with the Ivory Coast, then, then good for him. I just, you know, I, it's, I, I, it is a shame that he's not got recognition in the country that he's lived in for, you know, most of his life. And, you know, that's, I imagine that would be his first choice. But uh, it's just it's just another glaring, you know, neon sign around the incompetence that is the England setup. Yeah, it certainly is. I think he's just obviously taken a step back. He's obviously got influences in the background there. And, you know, he'll go to the next World Cup, if that's the case, as a guarantee, which he won't. He won't do with England potentially, and yeah, exactly. I know I spoke a lot about last week. I think it's just boring of England, especially to just want to stick with the same, samey, samey. But you know, it's England's loss is Ivory Coast's gain, and hopefully, it will allow Zaha to become a better player. Hopefully, in red and blue still. Um, Connor Wickham has been announced that he's got to have surgery today, and um, if it's a clean tear of his anterior ACL, then. He's in trouble. That's about nine months out. Um, we talked about him potentially starting last week on the podcast, and he he did indeed at Swansea. And um, <clears throat> it's a shame for him. It's, I think it's the second time in his Palace career where he's finally started getting going, scoring goals, and he's got injured again. Um, do you think it's going to be a big miss, Nick? Oh, it's going to be huge. If you think about the... Um what I've been calling for for weeks on both the pod and the main show, a 4-4-2 setup, which you told me I'm too old to worry about that. Um, we finally started with a 4-4-2 on Saturday or a 4-4-2-ish. Um, I don't think he had a bad game. In fact, I think he had quite a good game. I'm, I'm distraught for the fellow. He's, he's been on social media himself tonight. He's very positive. He said he's going to come back stronger and everything else. I just hope he's right and I hope it's not worse than... First feared. I mean, I think it would have come out in the press already if it was it was a real bad one. Um, maybe it's just a, a minor tweak or something that he needs an exploratory operation on. God, God hoping anyway. Good luck to the yeah. fellow. No, if you ever walk down the tunnel at Sellers Park, yeah, it's really low, right? Could you, could you imagine this the Southampton game? Uh, Christian Benteke is running down, giving himself a bit of a concussion, banging his head instead of ducking on the way out. And we've got Fraser Campbell up front, Albert. How would you feel about that? Um, I would feel <laughs> cold, probably um, 
dead inside, uh, suicidal. Uh, nothing, nothing good. Yeah, it's a big miss, isn't it? You know, it's there's a lot of question marks over him last season when he was the focal point. I think, I think the fact that there's some other names to take the heat off him this season, and you know, the, it's the classic super sub, and then you know, getting a start like he did on Saturday. It looked like it was sort of coming together for him, and yeah, it's a real shame because you know we're all we're all talking about Remy or when's Remy back, and it, then it turns out he's injured again, and you know you don't miss what you've never had, but mm-hmm. you know we we need him to come back and and then hope that he, that he fits in and it all goes well. Really, that's yeah, that, that man who's hardly kicked the ball for probably about a season now I don't think he knows what football is anymore so So, yeah it puts I think it puts a whole new spin on on uh, what we do in January to be honest because Mm. obviously the back line is where we're crying out for some some quality and depth and you could argue middle of the park as well but um, if we're going to be relying on Benteke staying fit who's you know who who could easily suffer the same fate and you know let's assume Remy's not fit Connor Wickham's not fit, like you say. You're left with um, the big FC, and uh, <laughs> that ain't good. Rather yeah. the big FA. <laughs> well, the um, one of the big misses I think is going to be, especially at the moment, you highlight the defensive problems. There is that uh, he's done really well from corners in a defensive manner. He was doing a very good job at Swansea until uh, he he unfortunately went off, and then we started conceding left, right, and centre from crosses into the box. Uh, final thing we we'll touch on before we get into talking about the game. Did you see Steve Mandanda's comments <laughs> that you made on French TV, Nick? Yeah, I did. And uh, if they are translated correctly and he is opening the door for departure, um, I've, got a, I've got a feeling on this. The club needs a lift. The club needs a massive lift at the moment. If he's still injured and he's not playing this weekend, and even if he isn't injured, I would bench him. I would actually probably drop him from the squad. And what this club would do with a massive lift at home on Saturday. Can you imagine if they got Spironi to start? Um, oh, Hen- I was Hen- going to say if they got me to start there. No, no, all me, mate. <laughs> uh, Hennessy, Hennessy has done okay. He hasn't disgraced himself, I suppose you could argue. Mm. He did, apart, mm. from the, apart from the free kick, okay, yeah, the usual one-step free kick job. But, I mean, the, the, one, the one thing that would do the club a massive lift is bring Spironi in for a game and give him that record. The place would be rocking on Saturday if he did. Mm. Uh, what do you think, Albert? I th- I'm I'm of the opinion that Mandanda can foxtrot Oscar if that's the way he wants to behave already. Because if he's another player that doesn't want to know when the going gets tough, I'm not sure if I want him at the club. Do you have a similar vein, or do you want to keep hold of him? Uh, I certainly subscribe to that that way of thinking in general. I mean, I've only read, you know printed quotes of what he's reportedly said i don't know if there's video evidence of it that someone's you know translated word for word if if what he said is true and that's how it's intended yeah obviously it's not good um but again you take away steve mandanda hennessy's going to be the number one isn't he you know Sproni's not going to come in no way you know he's 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 the last the last great pillar of you know sort of the our modern sort of legends if you will and i don't think pardew's going to allow him back in um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I, I'd like to think he's been misquoted. I'm, I'm happy to give him benefit of the doubt in the meantime. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Right, okay, guys. Before we um, move on, actually, to talking about the game, we'll touch on we'll touch on Tony Pulis. Albert, you're you're a particular fan of Pulis, so talk, talk me through it. What's happened? Massive. Like, well, as per. The aforementioned Michael McIndo, <laughs> mother straight up mother f- fraud, y'all. Oh goodness, uh, it's outrageous. You read those. You read the. Uh, there's the sort of official court notes. I don't know what the proper term is going around, and um, you know they're, they're very wordy. There's lots of legal jargon in there, but some of the selected quotes and accounts of what was said. Uh, it's, it makes it very interesting and very damning reading if you're Tony Pulis or a Tony Pulis fan, which I know there are some out there, at least two or three. Uh, the best bit is I like that he called, he called, he called Barry Banan, Stuart O'Keefe and Alex Price as witnesses. Lewis uh, Price. Lewis Price. Yeah, Alex Price. He wasn't available. The Price is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. He got the 
got the date wrong of the uh, heated players meeting. August the twelfth. Which they've um, very. That was it. Was August the eighth, mate? Not August the twelfth. <laughs> well, like... Barry Banan. <laughs> <laughs> August twelfth is what Pulis was peddling. Yeah. He's yeah, liars. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So the HPM was on uh, on uh, the eighth, and Pulis he sent it on the twelfth, and mm. he'd already wangled his bonus by this point. Um, bonus, I said there. To um, buy land for his children, which sounds like to... really like eighth century. <laughs> Like, he did a land for my children. Like, really, sort of, it's almost like something like Game of Thrones. Not that I've ever seen it. Apparently, there's loads of tits. Sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, I just found it really interesting. And but I've, I've also, I mean, I put it on Twitter today. I've also seemed it seems to have kind. I mean, yeah, it was on the BBC homepage and it was on the Guardian. There's an article on the Guardian about it, but it seems to have not drawn much heat. Which you know, bearing in mind the Premier League's the most you know overexposed football league in the history of the world ever, you'd think there'd be a big of a you know bigger deal about it, especially in light of the Telegraph investigation earlier this year. But um, mm. maybe that's just me. Maybe I haven't picked up enough newspapers. Terence, no, I've got Terence. I've got a question for you. You always Go ask on. the questions. Um, for so your your employer has just found out that in a court of law you've just been called a defrauding cheat, okay, and a liar, okay, and you're employing mm. that guy. What would you do? Cause <laughs> I thought about teaming me up into a massive run. <laughs> Look, I, it, I get sacked, basically. That's what happens here. But obviously, West Brom were complicit in what he was doing because West Brom wanted him. Um, there's, it's basically been proven that they waited the right amount of time so West Brom didn't have to play, pay any compensation to Crystal Palace and that's been part of this ruling and why um, the figure's more than the bonus that is more than just the bonus that um, Pulis was paid early and yeah but it just shows that there's just it's success over morals in football um, I suppose I suppose in a way it always has been but now you know there's very large sums of money involved you know back in the day when players were earning you know not much more money than the regular working person was earning to play football or manage football teams it's a little bit of a different story you can understand why these people might have wanted to line their pockets because at the end of the day it's a short career and this sort of behaviour now is extended in. Tony Pulis does not need an extra three and a half million pounds. You know, like the man is earning enough money for his footballing career to lead a very, very comfortable life after he retires. And so that's what makes it a lot more wrong now, I think. I mean, morally, I think it's still wrong whenever you're defrauding people anyway, in any fashion. But definitely, you know, at the moment... You know, he, he like I say, he doesn't need this extra three and a half million. But the facts that the FA, the FA should be issuing some sort of ban, as far as I'm concerned. I can't believe he's going to be able to continue to be in positions where he can continue to commit this kind of fraud, whether it's through player sales or, you know, initiating a move away from West Brom at some point. He should be banned. West Brom should be having to sack him as any other brand in any part of the world would do. You know, it's just it shouldn't just be right because it's in football. The man should be sacked and never allowed to work in the field again. But the fact is he's successful and people will perceive success, I guess, because all he does is keep you in the division and get you a mid-table, mid-lower table finish, which isn't success, is it? But, you know, the brands are going to they're going to stay for this because it, morally they don't care as long as the hundreds of millions of pounds are rolling in. So that's my thoughts on Anthony Richard Pulis. So well, that, 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 his mid, Albert, his that, middle name's Dick. So yeah, it is. So that, went, that, that rant went very well. Thanks for that. Um, so <laughs> the figures being bandied around are anything from 3.7 million up to, up to 6 million quid. What would you do with that money? Well, there's only one answer, isn't there? I'll buy land for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that is. Well, yeah, you say that, Terence. Answer. He should be allowed to work in the field again. But if he did get the money and did buy that land, maybe he would be working in a field. Maybe he wants to get into something agricultural. <laughs> okay, moving on. Let's talk about the Southampton game. That's what we're here to do. Um, right, is this going to be Pardew's version of Warnock Southampton? What do you reckon, Nick? Do you yep. remember that was when Neil Warnock's last game was that? Oh, he, so he substituted Yannick Bellassi when we were 3-0 down and replaced him with Martin Kelly and got a oh. chorus of you don't know what you're doing from the whole of the Palace. At least he didn't put him at left back. <laughs> I think he did. Uh, the bottom the answer to your question is, I mean, I'm mightily surprised he's even got the Southampton and Hull game because that's 
but from reading accounts that's exactly what he's got um the bottom line is if he goes if we go behind on saturday the stadium is gonna turn against him and i predict a riot <laughs> i predict a riot <laughs> honestly indeed and i think that's where i think that's where it'll go quite catchy I think, that i think it will go off on saturday if we go one or two nil down which i, pre- I will be predicting that we will do I think it's going to go off on Saturday and come six o'clock Saturday night, he won't get the whole game. He'll just get the Southampton game and that'll be it. And we'll be using that £3.7 million pound to pay him off. Mm, yeah, a lot of people have been making that link. Albert, do you you be snapping up your season card and throwing it in? Well, no, because I share my season ticket with my dad's mate. <laughs> so, uh, I, I know this is going to sound awful, but is there a, is there a little bit of you that does want to like go 2-0 down quite early on? <laughs> <laughs> just to see what happens. <laughs> didn't, uh, we, didn't we get this problem though with Brexit? Didn't David Cameron go? Let's let's just see what happens. Let's just see what Bre- Brexit means. Brexit <laughs> and Pardew means Pardew. Also, no, no Pardew means exit. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, oh, listen. Obviously, I want to go on Saturday, and I want us to win, and I want us to win by five, five goals to nil, and you know, play out of our skins and have a really good performance, but. I, you know, after the week, I mean, it's not even after the weekend, is it? It's after this year. Uh, I just don't see, I don't see a way back. I don't see what he can do to change it. We've lost, we've lost one of our, our only attacking options in Connor Wickham. Uh, I just, I, I just can't see anything positive coming out of the weekend. Whether that ends in a, in a riot or a sacking, I don't know. But I, it, I, I don't think it's going to be pretty. And I've got my Christmas party on Friday, so I'm going to be in a I'm going to be in a bit of a of the, of the blues anyway. So um, I'm 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 sort of looking forward to it in a weird way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm intrigued to see what uh, the home South fanatics are going to do because with uh, Ian Holloway's time and Neil Warnock's time, when it was over, they withdrew their support for a little bit small a small period of time but you know just sending that message that we're not behind him anymore but you know they've been very very pro Pardew in the time because of his links with the clubs and so on so I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what will happen on Saturday hopefully it won't be any worries and we'll be going 3-0 up or something like that but like so I can't see it and then 4-3 down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um and but you, you're right and it, if it if that does, if we could do go three 0 up, for example, and hold on to the game and win the game, and it's all great, great performance and everything, it's probably only papering over the cracks. Because I think it's all a little bit too deep seeded now than actually just being, you know, um, a couple of good performances will turn it around. I think the the rifts a lot deeper um, than we know. So Padre hinted after the um, Swansea game that there was going to be wholesale changes. What sort of wholesale changes are we talking, Nick? Do you you think a really big shift in formation or personnel? What do you think he's going to do? Uh, uh, yeah, a little bit on the formation. I think he'll bring Friars in for this one uh, and give old uh, Kelly a bit of a rest. But what it will do is, because of the loss of Wickham, I think it'll give us an opportunity to play MacArthur, Punchin, Zaha um, and Benteke up front and, and bring Joe Ledley in as well. Well, Kabaya's suspended, isn't he? He picked yeah. up his fifth so, card. Which is why, uh, obviously, Ledley... Is Ledley fit? Because I haven't... Uh, well, he was, he was on the bench at the Swansea He's game. well fit. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, he'll come in for, come in for Kabai, um And I think that will probably be the lineup. But, but I'm sure he'll bring in Friars. He's, I mean, he's, he, he's not stupid. Well, he's stupid, but um, he's... He must have read all the message boards, heard all the things about the left back scenario. He must be aware of it, and I think this is this is his opportunity to say, "Okay, then you think you know best? Let's bring him in and see how we go." Yeah, because because will... because if we don't, Southampton will get will get. A, uh, they know we've got a weakness in Kelly, and they will get at him. Make no mistake, they will get to him. Yeah, part of me has got to the stage. I'm wondering if Pardew just really hates Martin Kelly personally, and that's why he's just leaving him out there to rot. Because I think the lot of the feeling around the in the crowd at the Swansea game was people are not they're not pissed off at Martin Kelly like for his bad performances. They're pissed off that he's been continued to be put into the wrong like he's not his natural position over and over again when he's clearly failing at it. That's what people's main problem is. And that's again why a lot of people are pointing the fingers at Pardew because 
he's clearly just not up for it at Premier League level playing left back. So why would you continuously leave him out there? Now it's either, yep. like I said, does he hate Martin Kelly or is it because Zeki Fry simply isn't good enough and he knows that and that's why he can't play him because he thinks it'll be worse. But can it get any worse than Martin Kelly at the moment, Matt? I mean, Albert, sorry. Shh, don't tell anyone Shit. I said that. We, who are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> it, can it get worse? It can, listen, it can always get worse, but it can't get much worse at the moment. Um, you know, we've uh, Nick's already alluded to the fact that, and you've already alluded to the fact that there's going to be wholesale changes. Now, I'm thinking maybe there'll be some marking at corners. <laughs> uh, maybe some communication in the back line. Really? So maybe a man on the post every now and then. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but in all seriousness, you look at the squad, what wholesale changes can we make, really? You know, you, you can go, oh, we'll stick the kids in. We don't, you know, we have Sully Kaikai's not even at the club. He's not going to get chucked in. Mm, um, has just got injured. You know, the, the wholesale change, and I, it, I, I really hate to make a point of him, but like a wholesale change is, well, you don't play Benteke and you play Fraser Campbell. Um, mm. You know, that's that's the sort of depth or lack of in our squad at the moment. Um, so I really don't know what to expect. You know, in, I want to say in Pardew's defence, but, you know, he is sort of, you know, ultimately responsible for the composition of the squad. In his defence, he hasn't got a lot, a lot of other options, really, is he? In so, his defence, he hasn't got a defence. <laughs> in his defence, he doesn't care about defending. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's all a bit, it's all a bit up in the air for me. So, that knows. Well, I, was, I think what was very clear on uh, during the Swansea game is the lack of physical physicality for us in the centre of the park you know MacArthur and Kabai are both little terriers in there but they're not they don't have much presence in the air in the in the defending sense and I compared the clearances made by Swansea's centre two versus Kabai and MacArthur in in the game against Swansea and Kabai and MacArthur combined for one clearance in that game where Leroy Fur and um, Jay Fulton combined for eight clearances, which shows the sort of work that they were doing, helping wow. out from set pieces back in their own penalty area and the lack of work that Kabaya and MacArthur are doing. And I just feel like by default, they should be clearing more than one time when the amount of balls went into the box as did in the Swansea game. So part of me thinks that Jordan Much might start to get a look in basically because of He's extra added height in the middle of the park, and you know that I'm not a big fan of Jordan much, but he has talked wholesale changes. I wonder if there's going to be an element of going to three at the back, maybe, because you can get Damien Delaney in there, which... If he, if he wakes up. <laughs> if he wakes up, indeed. I wonder... I don't... Because you don't ever see that clip for any extended period of time. He might have just had his eyes closed. He might not have no, actually I, been I, asleep. I think he was asleep. I think that's just, you know, it's, it's a convenient sort of headline to write, isn't it? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mm. <laughs> three at the back would be bold, don't tell. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, we, we've talked about whether we've actually got the players to do it, but I'm just more talking about what what are you going to do here to defend set pieces? It's it's our weakness. We're really, really struggling there. And we need some extra height in that box to deal with these things. And it's just... I'm Like I say, he's, he's the one who said wholesale changes and he looked like he meant it for once. You know, I, after that match, in that, in that post-match press conference, all the way through this bad run, all the way through this year, I've never seen him in that position, in that state. Like, he's always had a little bit of a cheeky grin to one of the answers or something. There's always some sort of, you know, Pardew big swinging dick in there. In that post-match interview, there was nothing. He was He looked like a shell of a man. He looks angry. He looks sad. And he's, well, there's, a, there's, a reason, 
there's a reason for it. He's got a rope net around his neck and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter and he knows mm. it. But yeah, so it's finally for him, I think the pennies drops where um, your friendship with Steve Parrish isn't going to help you out anymore. <laughs> you know? yeah. it's, the end is drawing in. Right, um, we'll end it there. And uh, next up, we're going to talk to our man that supports Southampton. And he's also the editor of everyone's favourite childhood magazine, Shoot. We all read that as a kid, right? A long time ago. It was in black uh... and white. It was black and white <laughs> and I read it. <laughs> I didn't read Shoot, but I did tend to shoot over other magazines. Oh, oh, my God. Anyway, look, that man is Jack Rosser, and he will be up after this short interlude. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Yes, so we are now joined by Jack Rosser. Jack, thank you for joining us, mate. No worries. Pleasure to be on. Um, so, having a little stalk on your Twitter profile, what, what is it that you're doing with Shoot Magazine? Um, so, I'm on the editorial team of Shoot. That's pretty cool. Um, and we, was, uh, yeah. about, we all read that as a kid. Does it, does it still get produced in magazine format? Uh, no, so it's all online now, and there's just the annual uh, once a year. So, we're putting out daily content, um, you know, news and, and features. Very nice. Right. Um, so Southampton, you've hit the reset button again at the start of the season, as you seem to <laughs> like to do every year. Um, what, what, what's your secret to being able to just freshen it up so much every time? Um, I, I think it's sort of you know beyond most Saints fans to explain it. Really, we um, praise our recruitment and things like that. They, they've always got you know two or three replacements for every position um, sort of lined up, whether that be a player or, or a member of staff. Um, so we always always know what we want, but the fact that it's gone so well, you know, each time so far, um, is I suppose a bit of luck as well. And so you got your new manager in. Is it Claude Puel? Is that am I saying that yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, be honest, had you heard of him before you got him in? I hadn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. I feel like that with a lot of Premier League managers at the moment. Um, what's what's he doing differently to what Ronald Koeman was doing? Um, well, he changed. He, he had a big shake-up with the, the sort of way we, with the system we used um, at the start of the season in terms of formation. Um, we still, you know, very much like look to play attacking football, quite quick pace. But it was just the, the way in which we used the midfield and things like that. But he's um, he showed a lot more, which I think showed at the, at the weekend with Josh Sims. He showed a lot more faith in the in the youth system than um, Kuman did. He was he was often criticised for sort of ignoring it and um, he was pulled up in the press conference after the game uh, this week which you know he didn't really like being sort of held against his own comments when he was a Saints manager so yeah he's shown a lot of faith in the youth system and so far this season it's paid off with you know the likes of uh, Josh Sims and Sam McQueen making their debuts and, and doing really well yeah, I think it's really important, especially for English football, that people are coming in and giving youth players a chance. Uh, you've got the same happening at Spurs at the moment as well. So it can only mean good things for the national team going forward. Um, is there a little bit of you? Yeah. Is there a little bit of you in us enjoying Cooman's rocky start at Everton? Oh, definitely. There's quite a large, large bit of me that's enjoying it. Um, it's you know. You always like to sort of take the perspective of, you know, you can understand why a player's made a big, you know, when we lost all our players to Liverpool and United and teams like that, you, you can understand why they're going, you know, because it is Liverpool, it is Man United. Um, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth when Koeman, you know, made all these statements about, you know, I don't, I don't get drawn by money or things like that. Um, and then and then disappeared with a year left on his contract to Everton, whatever he said, whatever has gone on with him and the board, maybe changes it, but you know, nobody's sure of that. So no, it's definitely quite nice to watch. Yeah, I mean, we. Yeah, I mean, we was obviously there at your place on the last game of last season, and getting into the Europa League and the the whole spirit around the stadium, everything just seemed like it was all everyone was pulling in the right direction. So I was a little bit shocked to see it happen. Um, Yeah, so it's a bit, it's a bit sad. You'd want to see him stay on, and you know, what's he going to go? Yeah, I think. I think it was big. It was a big shot to everyone. I think when the comments came out, you know, they almost laughed off as a flight wider for the for for Everton. I think they finished about eleventh last season. And like you said, that that the atmosphere at that game was incredible. You know, it was all just can't wait for next season now with Kieran in charge, and then then it all changed. What so? What's the Europa League been like? Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've managed to get twenty of the away games, um, but I've been to 
home games so far. And you know, I think it's a competition that a lot of teams, sort of similar stature to to ourselves, should be should be looking to do. Um, whether it does have an effect on your league form or not, you know, we'll be able to look back at the end of the season and and sort of say that. But I definitely want to do it again next season and the season after. It's something to enjoy rather than rather than a hindrance on your season. I think. Yeah, there's something nice about beating Inter Milan. It doesn't matter if they're a great team or not at the moment. You can always exactly. say we beat teams we'll like back, Inter we'll Milan. Back in nice. a few years, and it'll just say we beat Inter Milan. So, yeah, so is it um, beer, beer Shiva? Is that what they've called? Or you've got in your last game? Yes. Yeah, we've got them um, next week, Thursday next week. That'll be good. Good luck to you in that one. Always like to see the Thanks English teams much. progress. Um, right, so back to the weekend. What, what are we going to have to do to pick up a result against you this weekend? Where, where is Southampton weak? Um, I, I think, you know, there's, there's always, as there is with most teams, there's always um, a bit of weakness. You know, the, the, the defence has got a mistake in them. Fonte's not, I know he's, he's ex-Palace, so you can know a bit about him, but he's, he's been excellent since he joined us from, from yourselves. But, um, he's not quite been in his same, his same self this season. So maybe there's, there's a bit of weakness there. Um, and it depends who we put out uh, right back. If, if Martina gets a nod again, which I can't really see happening, there's, there's a weakness there. But, um, I'm always wary of going into, I mean, I, I know you're on a, a fairly poor run yourselves. I'm always wary of going into games like that because, you know, it's got to end at some time. Um, and usually it seems like they all end against us. So, you know, I'm a bit wary that, that we could just slip up there. Yeah, all, all football fans feel the same, I think. Um, <laughs> put a case in point against Swansea on the weekend. Oh, what's that? You haven't won yeah. since the opening game of the season. Here you go. Have three points in the most go. ridiculous yeah, circumstances yeah. <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, all right, so you can, you, you're allowed to predict your team to win if you want. What do you think the score's going to be? I'm, uh, 2-1 us, I think. 2-1 generous yeah. you've got you know the likes of Jose Font in the middle there and um, Van Dyke. <laughs> you're going to be all over us from corners I think you you should be looking more towards the 3 or 4 range um, and is it um, I, I never know going on to Jose Font just back to him for a second uh, I think it was the stat he's the only um, player ever to win the Johnson Paint Trophy and then the Euros is that right yeah yeah he is <laughs> it's brilliant it's, uh, remarkable <laughs> so, Good quiz question years later down the line. But anyway, look, Jack, thank you so much for joining us, mate. Um, it's been really, no really helpful. And good luck with the rest of the season. Also with um, Shoot going on there as well, mate. Thank you very much. Good luck to yourselves. Cheers, pal. Take care. Cheers, guys. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast. Sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, it's prediction time. Um, as always, we'll start with what we've had from the listeners via the lovely platform that is Twitter. Um, at A underscore Lynch has gone Palace nil, Southampton 2. Austin will be all over our defence. Nick Palace H has gone 2-6 to Southampton. Maybe half of that if we're lucky. At Carl MSX has gone 1-2. Late goal by Austin. He'll go the Homesdale. Full scale, full scale right will ensue. Pardew out and all sorts of mayhem. Um, at Tellboy, 174, um, dreads to think what could happen, but he thinks it's probably going to be 2-3. Mike Benz is struggling to see anything but a loss. Nil one at best. Mike's personal record of watching Pardew games live is played 21-1-3, drawn 5, lost 13. Um, we will politely request if you could just stop coming to games, Mike. That would be great. Um, at Worcester Park... With a W-U-S-T-A park. 1-3, and you don't know what you're doing ringing from the stands. And finally, Northy 001 has gone for 1-4 all day. Right, before I get your guys' predictions, I'm going to hit you with some stats. This will be the 67th league meeting between the two sides. We've only got 18 wins. I've discounted out the Southern Leagues and all of that in there. Eight, only 18 wins, 14 draws and 34 losses. Our biggest win is the 4-1 from the opening day of 2007-8 season, which we will be talking about shortly on this podcast. Their biggest win is a 6-0 win in May 1971. Were you there, Nick? Uh, yes, I was. 
<laughs> of course she was. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've only had one win against them in the and na- in the last nine league meetings, scoring just three goals and conceding sixteen. And for all of you out there hoping for a clean sheet, we've only ever kept thirteen against them, which translates to one in every five games. So can't really see that happening referee will be Paul Tierney um, this is the first time that he's officiated a Premier League game for Crystal Palace but he has refed us once before and we got smacks 5-1 by Manchester City um, right predictions uh, Nick earlier you was touching on saying you're going to predict us to go a couple of goals behind so what's were, the rest of that prediction well the rest I mean if you listen to the theme throughout all those uh, predictions from everybody else I mean I can't see us doing anything else this is going to be the sort of game where I'm going to predict us to lose to Neil but you never know uh, knowing Pardew and a bit of luck he may even sneak a, sneak a win but my prediction is we're going to lose to Neil sneak a win do you think you can sneak a win Albert uh, we're not. Uh, we're getting a draw. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know. We'll go five five nil up, and then we'll lose six three. You know that's how mental we are. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I don't think we'll win. I know. I think we'll get a draw. A one all draw is the best we can hope for. Zeki Fryers. Oosh. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Gordon-esque from 35 I yards. See, I want to see Damien Delaney back in because, do you know what, he might fuck up every now and then, but at least he fucking screams and shouts and, you know, throws his body into it. You know, and, that, and that's that's what we're lacking. Whether yeah, it's going to do was, any good, I ain't got a clue. And he was less asleep on the bench than our defence were on Saturday. Yeah, he got, so. he got, he got closer to Lorente than, than the defence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's... We're just ruined, aren't we? We're doomed. Um, I, kind of just, I am well up for it on Saturday. It's going well to be up for it. Okay. Well, I don't think um, we've got any chance of winning, and I can see three or one, three or four, one Southampton. I think we'll score because we just seem to like to do that. So I'll go. I'll go for three one. Three one to Southampton with. Well, Christian Benteke doesn't score at Celas, does he? So. Uh, well, we'll stick Delaney. Delaney will grab a goal. Come in and say to Pardew, what you've been leaving me out for, look what I can do. Right, it's time to move on to our classic match. Um, we didn't put a vote out this week because, well, um, I had this guest lined up for the show and I wanted to inject a little joy into the end of the pod by remembering such a resounding win over Southampton. So after this snippet of commentary, we will be back with James Scowcroft. Quarter also in there. Here's Scowcroft! Palace in front after half an hour, and it's Jamie Scowcroft! Southampton haven't been able to prepare as they would have wished for the new season with Kenwin Jones, the latest casualty after he was hurt in training. Scowcroft gives chase, and Jamie Scowcroft has got there! It's 2-0! Southampton conceding again almost from the restart. A massive clearance by Spironi. Bill Alkowski's in trouble, and Jamie Scowcroft has completed his hat trick. Kennedy over the free kick. On by court. Here's Morrison. It's Clinton Morrison, and this is extraordinary. It's 4 1 now to Palace. Right, so we are now joined by James Scowcroft. James, thank you for joining us, mate. No problem. Right, so you had a 15-year playing career. Let me know if I get anything wrong. You was at Ipswich, Leicester, Coventry, Orient and Palace. Yeah. Um, played 564 games and scored 100 goals. Um, Let me tell you something about Wikipedia, mate. You can go on Wikipedia and you can change it around and gloss it up and add a few appearances, <laughs> goals, etc., etc., which several people do, so it's not always gospel Wikipedia. No, I got this off the English National Football Archive, so I would yeah, hope okay. that it's all right. <laughs> um, right, 84 of those games you played for Palace and you scored 14 times. For all the geeks out there, you played 14% of your games at Palace and uh, 14% of your goals were scored at Palace and 14.8% of your games. So you owe us 0.8 of a goal, mate. Yeah, I do apologise. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, during your time at Palace you scored one of the goal of the decade contenders between 2005 and 2015 with that ridiculous volley against Wolves would you say that's the best of your career? 
Um, probably one of three. Uh, got a couple. That's certainly one of them uh, that sticks out. Uh, it was a good season. I remember the season. I remember the goal well. Uh, it's just one of those that you just just hit it and it just comes off your sweet spot. And um, I think it went over Wayne Hennessy. I think. <laughs> well, yeah, the Danny Butterfield hat trick was against Wayne Hennessy. Your golf, oh goodness, Wayne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, right. Um, so this the game that we've got you on to talk about. It's uh, Saturday, eleventh of August, and the Palace faithful were off to St Mary's for opening day of two thousand seven eight championship season. Um, Southampton lost in the playoffs the previous season and were one of the favourites to earn promotion. But Palace showed the host it would be, in fact, them who was pushing for it. So, um, Peter Taylor was in charge at that point. Um, did you? What was the ambitions for the season going into this game? Um, the ambitions were sort of ambitions for any team in the Championship, really, to try and get into that top six. Um, we had a squad that was capable. We had a squad that actually did do it that season. Um, so... We'd had a sort of mediocre season the season before, and I think we'd had a very good pre-season, very positive pre-season. And I think we went into that game, and nobody really sort of took us too seriously, and we were excellent that day, really good. I mean, beat a very, very good Southampton side, um, who I think had uh, people like Grezzo Rajiak up front, um, Idiakos in, in midfield. Um, they had some good players, some, some very, very good players, and they were heavily fancied that season. Um, and it was even throughout that throughout that season. It was a topsy turvy uh, season, but the second half was very good. That still possibly was one of our best performances and best results. Yeah, certainly was. So we we lined up with Julian Speroni in goal. We had Matt Lawrence, Tony Craig making his debut, Mark Hudson, Leon Colt, Ben Watson, Tom Saw, Stuart Green, Clinton Morrison, Mark Kennedy, and of course yourself. Are you still in contact with yeah. any of those guys? Um. Occasionally, very, very rarely. Uh, I spoke to Stuart Green. Um, bump into Matt Lawrence every now and again. Um, ben Watson's still playing. Tom Saws is still playing. Mark Hudson's still playing. Uh, Julian's still playing. I met, uh, bumped into Julian. I didn't bump into him. I met Julian at his testimonial year. Um, was it the back end of last season? Um, and yeah, no, there's any any one of them. There were good, uh, good bunch of lads around. We had an excellent pre-season. I think we went to Sweden on tour uh, for a week and it sort of uh, you know, got us going really and um, it gave us a lot of belief really. And it's just a shame that, that that result that day, we couldn't sort of kick on from there. Yeah, so we um 0-0 up into just around the half an hour mark and I think it was a Ben Watson corner you headed in, wasn't it? It was a Stuart Green corner. Stuart Green. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um yeah, no, 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 it was one. Uh, we worked quite a lot on set pieces. Really good ball in. Uh, I think it was Chris Makin, who uh, played with Ipswich for a few years. Mark Mayer just managed to get in front of him. Um, and in the championship, usually the first goal is is, is key. And, and I think that just from the opening half hour, they passed the ball really well from what I can remember. It was a boiling hot day. Um, and that was a crucial first goal. And that gave us a platform. I think we... I think I scored the second one a couple of minutes after that. Is that right? It was instantly after. So um, they what take kick off, one pass forward. It's over hit, and I think it's Matt Lawrence just launches it over the top, and you yeah. run onto it. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, nice little tidy finish. Yeah, just remember, it's just one of those that bounces, and the, the sort of finish is made up for you. Just managed to lob it over the goalie and, and turn it up, and. Um, you know, it's a dream start, and from what I can remember, they pulled a goal back right on the stroke of half time. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. Which sort of disappointing, really, because to sort of be 2 0 up and then going at 2 1, um, you know, the game was still very tight. Mm. Well, it didn't take long after half time, about eight minutes to re establish a two goal lead. <laughs> Julian Speroni just punts it down the field and nearly lobs the goalkeeper off the bounce. Um, but he just the goalkeeper just manages to scoop a hand on it. It basically throws it straight into your head. Now, on, on looking back on the video, it makes it look very very easy. But it couldn't have been easy to react that quickly to head it in. No, um, I, think, I think Julian I'm never renowned for his kicking, um, but the, go, the goalie just just totally misread it. And the, the worst thing he did was actually palm it up. They palmed it anywhere else, or, or it might have even gone wide. And he palmed it up and. Um, I can remember just running back with the defender and he just couldn't have palmed it any better for me, but I still sort of had to react, but naturally I reacted in the right way and 
three uh, one up and a hat trick, and it was just in front of the Palace, and Palace had excellent away support that day. Um, I think they must have taken three and a half thousand. I think you got a bigger allocation in the Championship, and and the you know, Palace away support has always been very very good. So, you know, that was that was one thing that stands out for me. How good our away support was that day. So if the ball bounces over the goalkeeper and it's a choice of getting your hat-trick or letting Spironi score, which one do you choose? Uh, there's only one answer there, really, and I'm sure George wouldn't mind it either. But, uh, no, it, it was it was just one of those, really. I think they we worked on it all week, but they liked to play and we, we were going to press them and put them under pressure and just unsettle them, really, and that's what we did. Um, and in the end, I think we... Uh, we, we played some very good football in the second half and controlled the game. We had, we had some very good footballers in our side, people like Ben Watson, Mark Kennedy, very technically very good players. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, then just two minutes later, Clinton Morrison added the fourth and that would obviously end up 4-1 and a really, really good win. But um, it was a bit of a false dawn at the start, I guess, because that was we'd only win once more in the next 15 games and that obviously led to the sacking of uh, Taylor. Um, what did uh, Neil Warnock do a little bit different when he came in? Um, I think he just highly motivated a <clears throat> a squad of um, good players. You know, there was nothing special, nothing. Um, and, you know, I think he was just typical Neil Warnock, highly motivated, um, stamped his feet a little bit. Uh, and, and just got us going. And in that league, the difference between sort of winning one out of 15 and winning seven or eight out of 15 isn't isn't a big, big difference really. And there's not a lot of difference between being six from bottom and six from top. And I think he just motivated uh, a team of good players. And, and we, I think we lost the first three or four out of Neil's first games. Yeah, I thought um, we didn't win in his first seven. Yeah. No, yeah. So, it took us a long time, but then we got going. I think we had a very good Christmas, if I can remember. Um, right, I remember going to his old club, Sheffield United. Uh, mm. That's just before, just after, and we won one nil, and that was a massive win for us. And then we, we just carried on uh, right the way through to the end of the season, really. So I think we went from second bottom to to finishing fifth. Yeah, um, I mean, we, over the fifteen games, we went from twenty third. Um, up until just after Warnock came in all the way up to 5th by January which is quite a remarkable turnaround really yeah yeah um, and that, and that, that was and as soon as you get on a roll as soon as you get momentum in, in any team any sort of division um, you know you can see it with, with Palace at the moment they need to just try and stop this run they're on and get some momentum going the other way and when you can get that momentum going forward um, you, you know you can just kick on and on and on and on and everyone starts to believe in themselves all right. right, we're going to do a little James Scowcroft on James Scowcroft quiz to end. So it's just a few questions about your career. <laughs> so yeah. how many how many penalties did you score in your career? Uh, I'd say one. Correct. It was um, against Crewe, in which That's was your it. other hat-trick, your other career hat-trick in that game. Um, yeah. Who who was your 100th career goal against, your last one? According to the English National Football Archive, of course. Barnsley. Yes, he's good at this, guys. Um, yep, 2-0 to score. Yep, 2-0 in 2008. Um, do you remember it? I do remember. I think it was in front of the Homestale. Um the best it's the best place to score you've got your, your last goal it was yeah i'm pretty career. certain yeah i'm pretty certain it was yeah, yeah. did you um right. a lot of a lot of players after um i think particularly dougie friedman we talked we talked to on this show before and he was saying looking back he wished he enjoyed scoring goals more because he just took it for granted at the time is that is that something that you can relate to yeah i think so i think i think there's a lot of things you look back and think um you know maybe i could have got the more out of that yeah. I think so. It's sort of half your job. So you, and sometimes as a centre forward, it's more relief really because that's what you get. You get judged on. Um, but I, yeah, I can see where he's coming from. Definitely. Right. And the last last couple. How many how many times were you sent off in your career? Um, three. Oh, you uh, no, no, no. You got... Four. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Twice, twice for Ipswich against Grimsby and Middlesbrough. What, was, what were they yeah, throwing elbows right. around, or um, they were? The first one was a bit unlucky, uh, two yellow cards. The second one against Middlesbrough. Lucky enough, I don't think it's on video because it's one of the worst sending offs 
you'll, you'll ever see. And if I did it in this day and age, I'd be in serious big trouble. Um, the second one was for Leicester against Tottenham live on Super Sunday. I remember that one quite well. Where that was a mad game. Argent- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where the, the right back, he was Argentina, rolled over about 50, 15 times and got <laughs> sent off. And then uh, the last one for Palace, I think, was a second yellow against Swansea at home. Yeah, um, I think it was a, it was Burnley, the last one. The, the Spurs the Spurs game, 4-4. <laughs> that that's a bit of a barnstormer. <laughs> it was, yeah. I think they were 4-2 up, I think. And they got Jermaine Defoe scored in fifth minute of extra injury time to, to level, I think. I remember right. Mm. Right, and finally, how many times in your career did you score against Palace? Um, never had a good record scoring a uh, plan against Palace. Um, I remember playing against them a lot for Ipswich. I never used to like enjoy playing at Sellers Park, and I don't think I ever won there. Was a, uh, I'd actually say probably I'd, I never scored against Palace. That's right, yeah, and that's that's why we love you, James. <laughs> Only yeah. scoring goals for us. You want a plus, you want a plus fourteen goal difference, so we like that. Oh, so yeah, that's, no, that's interesting. Right, yeah. You touch on um, playing at Sellers there as an opposition player. What is it really that different from being a home player yeah, to an opposition it, player? It's totally, totally. I said love, um, love playing there for Palace. Really, really enjoyed it. But as an away player, I never enjoyed it. I don't, you know, Palace always gave you a tough game, whether it's in the Premier League or. or um, in, in the championship, it was always, you know, it's a typical, you know, they get good support from the home side, NBA. Um, and whenever I just come up, they always had a, a strong, good, decent side. Um, and you always just get caught in traffic going there. And I, and I just feel that, you know, I know that eventually they're going to redevelop the stadium and build a, you know, a big brand new stand. But I just hope it will take some of that kind of tradition away from the club that makes Palace so special. Um, and I just sort of hope they never lose that because as a, and I still see it to, today with some players go there, just don't enjoy playing there for for whatever reason it is. The tunnel's very tight. It's it's very old school, and there's not there's a lot of new grounds that are soulless and everything. But that's one thing you could never say about Salas Park. And I remember playing, yes. I remember playing a lot for Ipswich against Palace at Porton Road, and Palace used to always bring good away support, always. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Good one, Ipswich away. We we enjoy that, um, yeah. and and you know, everyone, a lot of people would talk, call Salas Park a bit of a shithole, but you know, it's our shithole and we love it. No, 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 no. It's got no, good no, character. No, not at all. It, it's got it's got bundles of character, and that's the main thing. That that that's what you want. Um, and uh, as as a player, so I love playing at Salas Park. You used to really really enjoy it. Okay, and finally, um, you're a big Man United fan, aren't you? Um, we've got you in a couple of weeks. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on Man United season so far? Man United season so far. Um, half my family come from Manchester, so that's why I'm a, uh, a sort of boyhood sort of Man United fan. It's very, very topsy-turvy at the moment. Underachieving, a bit like Palace, really. I think Palace are underachieving with the strength of the squad they've got. Um, I just see it being a draw. I just, I just see that. Uh, a Wednesday night, I think Palace will raise a game. It'll be a big, big atmosphere, and I see it being maybe a one-one draw. Okay, I think well, I think we'll take that. We will. <laughs> well, look, anyway, James, Probably thank United you. Will take it as well. No <laughs> problems any time. Uh, thank you so much, mate, and have a good evening. You too. Cheers, mate. Cheers, pal. Bye. Bye. Right, that's almost your lot for this week. Uh, thanks to James Scowcroft and Jack Rosser for joining us. Uh, thanks also go to our producer, Tav, and Hambo for helping out on the producing side this week. I say help, he just he just pressed play and record a couple of times, I think, didn't he, guys? That was about yeah, it. Yeah, that's all he did. On his old oh, tape deck. On his old tape deck. <laughs> Eight track. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I've got to thank my panellists. Um, first, thank you, Mr. Curley, for joining us. You're more than welcome. <laughs> um, I think you're joining me next week as well actually I think I've got you on really? And, um, yeah I used to pull my really? stuff this week so yeah oh dear oh. Mm. Uh, well don't don't spoil it now but we've got a very special guest next week so um, a good one to look out for and um, finally me? thank you to it, what is you yes obviously, obviously. Uh, thank you to Mr Nick Philpotts for joining as well Terence it's always my pleasure mate have a great time in india thank um, you i will don't do anything i wouldn't do you know i won't leave all those <laughs> little sorts alone <laughs> God. 
<laughs> right, and listeners, remember to tune in to the review show on Sunday night of the Southampton game. Um, if listening live interferes too much with your Sunday night shenanigans, the podcast version of the show will be available shortly after it finishes. You can ensure that you never miss another episode of Hull Radio ever again by subscribing by heading to hullradio.net forward slash subscribe. If you want to contact specifically this show, you can email us on preview podcast at wholeradio.net. The votes for our classic match against Hull to be remembered on next week's show will go up from Tuesday morning on Twitter and you will find that at Hull Radio on that social media platform. Um, we will, of course, be back in your ears next Thursday for the build-up to the Hull game. Until then, up the palace. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.